Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Today will be a special day. It already has been for, we had some baptized in early service, and now and tonight already 44 have been scheduled to be baptized this evening at the cross. Come on out, bring your friends. We'll have a night of celebration watching the sun go down and watch these people if they're obedient to the Lord in believer's baptism. It's a very, very special thing when God's children realize the importance that is on our life and our generation. I'm going to talk about that this morning. Last week, we uh, continued speaking from Jeremiah and Isaiah and how God has a plan and God has a purpose for everything that happens. And uh, we started off, is it time? Hosea 10, 12, the prophet asked the question, is it time that we seek the Lord? I have to answer that. Is it time for you as an individual, our families, our country, our world to seek the Lord? And uh, if that is true, then uh, we need to know how do we seek him? Uh, how do you find him? How do you know? And last week, I mentioned in the message uh, the, the five ways that maybe you can find God. And I told you my second point was a very weak point, and it's not one that I use a whole lot to, in my personal witnessing. God says, first of all, I made myself in creation. That's very, very obvious. And the second thing, which was my weak point, is that a lot of times people find God because they see God in the lives of those that say they're children of God. That's called being living proof of a loving God to a watching world. But the statistics show that we're very weak at that point, that there's a lot of people that call him Lord, Lord, but they don't do the things that God's command. Therefore, people real quickly hit up a wall. They hit, come against a wall because they see no evidence of our birth. They see no evidence of being born again. We talked about reading Scripture, and the Scripture is always faithful. We talked about prayer, and God hears and answers prayer. And then I told you that in order to find God, you must repent, and that's the big barrier for most. But the Bible says, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Now, today I want to go back to point number two. I want to talk to us, me, you, Children of God, those that are, have been born again, uh, there is so much in the Scripture to, to uh, put together in just a few minutes, uh, but would you just pray that I will have an opportunity to do so in the brief time that I want to talk to you. Now, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 5. That is the best sermon ever preached. It was preached by Jesus. It was the Sermon on the Mount. It was the one that we find so many of our great uh, truths in that very powerful sermon. It began <clears throat> where we have what's called the Beatitudes. And in the, those Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteousness, all of those, and then it has an answer to that. Like blessed are the pure in heart, for they're the ones that shall see God. 
When he got through with those wonderful one-liners, he puts a powerful, powerful responsibility on those that hear him in person and those of us that hear him today as to what our responsibility is. Where do we fit into all of this? And so I want you to listen, and I want to read to you from the 13th verse of the 5th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. I'll let you just remain seated if you'll promise to listen and watch the screen or your iPhone or whatever you have. But I want you to blot out for a few moments. If you claim to be a born-again Christian, I want you to blot out everything now except what does Jesus say to you today about your responsibility. And here we read, 13th verse. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Now listen to the 16th verse, believers. Let your light so shine before men that they shall see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to, dis to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all of it be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men also, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In our last verse, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. These were extremely strong words. We know that they were the words of a loving Savior who gave his life on a cross that we could have a brand new life. We know that he came and spent 30 years in this world, on this planet, with one purpose, and that was to bring salvation to the world. It was a tough assignment. He would be mocked. He would be ridiculed. He would be made fun of. He would never be in the popular fraternities or sororities or groups. He oftentimes would be alone. Even at times, he would request to be alone. Even going into the garden to pray, he asked some disciples to go with him, and then he said, I want you to stay back. I need to go on where it's just the Father and I, and we talk. That's been over 2,000 years ago. I would offer to you the thought that Jesus Christ is the most hated person in the world today, 2,000 years later, when you take in all the population of the world. That's what it takes sometimes to follow the will of the Father. It's not about what attracts the most 
or what is the most popular, but rather Jesus said, you remember on the cross, I didn't come to do your will. He said it like this, not my will, but yours be done. He never broke away from that. He never got sidetracked into a little while in his life like some others did in the Bible, where he got away from the will of the Father. Simon Peter would be a great example. David, many would be examples of they drifted away from God. But when we look carefully, Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to hear what Paul said, old man Paul to young man Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Timothy, be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in faith, in spirit, and in purity. He said, Timothy, you have a responsibility. Your responsibility is not as the world gives, give I unto you. But what I give unto you is far better than what the world gives. But Timothy, I'm asking you, would you, would you be obedient to what the Father gives you through the Son? When one opens the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 1, now follow me real closely. When the Bible opens to Genesis 1-1, the first verse is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God the Father. God the Creator. God that was in the beginning. Now, he says that in the first chapter and in the first verse. It's very interesting to me that you go over to the writing of Paul, the follower of Jesus, the man who was born again, who was out to murder Christians. He was to destroy every person he could find And God spoke to him, knocked him to his knees, blinded him temporarily, gave him back his sight, gave him a new purpose, and he wrote much of our New Testament. When he wrote to Rome, the Romans, Rome was a powerful empire of its day. To that strong and mighty uh, Rome that had control over his life with the laws of the land. Listen what he said in the 20th verse of the first chapter when he wrote to the Romans. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they, talking about unbelievers, are without an excuse. He says to the Roman people, can you not see when you look at the world around you not that, God, not that man made, but that God made, the heart, the stars, the moon, all of those things. And um, it was relevant. Genesis 1-1 was relevant 2,000 years later. You see, a lot of people stop right there. Go to verse 2 of Genesis 1. There's more than just God the Father. There's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. Well, if you go to the second verse, it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In Revelations 22, the last book, 
in the New Testament, and the last book as we have our 66 books, in the 17th verse, it says, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. This is the Holy Spirit and the church, as we talked about in the last week, that has invited people to come to the Lord Jesus. So you've got the Father, you have the Son. Now stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. The third part of the Trinity is the Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've talked about the outside too. I've talked about the center one. The Son. I want you to help me with the Scripture. It's found in John 3, 16. For God, so say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, God, in due time, 2,000 years later, sends to the world Jesus. Now, the psalmist in the Old Testament said, in the 19th Psalm, the heavens declare the glory of, of God and the firmament, the land, and the trees and all the plants and all shows his handiwork. Now, that is the psalmist. But then the Holy Spirit gave us all 66 books of the Bible. When you read the Bible, you'll see that the writer refers to as the Holy Spirit spoke to them. But now we get to Jesus. Jesus comes. He fulfills the will of the Father. And then he says to his disciples something where you and I come into the picture. He says to them that were afraid what's going to happen when Jesus leaves because he always came to my rescue like Simon Peter. He knew if he could stay close to Jesus when his mouth messed him up that Jesus would come and defend him. But now he says, I'm going to go away because the Holy Spirit has another responsibility and that other responsibility is to bring people, us, to Jesus who died for our sin and paid the price for our sin and the Bible says unless the Spirit draws us, we can't get to the Son. And the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only unpardonable sin in the Bible because the only way to the Son is through the Spirit. So when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and you turn the Spirit away, there's no way you get to Jesus. You can't get saved by just reading the Bible. You can't just get saved by looking at the stars. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. But let me finish. Jesus said, it's best that I go away. Why? Because the world that was coming, like us, today, in 2014, they need some evidence, some physical evidence, like evidence. It's best for I to go away because the Holy Spirit will not come back until I go away and the Holy Spirit is coming back so that wherever you, my children are, I will be there in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I have chosen you and given you a brand new life, a new birth, in order that you will be the living proof, the living evidence that God changes lives. And that we can change from our carnal nature and be children of God 
if one thing happens, and that is, as the Scripture says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Now, what has happened is Christ is not in all of those that claim to be Christians. A lot of people claim to be Christians because they believe there's a God. The devil believes there's a God. Some people think they're Christian because they believe the Bible is the Word of God. The devil knows the Bible is the Word of God. People will talk about how, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church. The devil goes to church, all right? I mean, you just go on and on and on about that, but that's not the way you become a child of God. The way you become a child of God is you confess your sins, you repent of your sins, as I told you last week and most every Sunday. You invite Jesus to come into your life. Your old life dies. You are born again, and then you can live for God and serve him all of your days, and as long as you're in the center of God's will, you are absolutely immortal, like I told you last week. Nothing can snatch you out of his hands. But when he gets through with you, then he takes you home, okay? Now, we fail. I have failed. Maybe you have failed. Some have miserably failed. Some have claimed to the world that they know God and they don't know God. There are those who do not understand when the Bible says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I command. Did you know that the Lord commands every believer, not the unchurch world, not the unbelieving world, excuse me, but the born again, his children, to be baptized. You don't get saved by being baptized, but one of the evidence that you are saved, you want to be baptized. One of the evidence that you're not saved is you don't want to be baptized. Because your pride is so great, or your time is so busy, or the priority is so messed up, you don't want to be. And it breaks the heart of the Lord. Jesus walked 200 miles to be baptized and set an example because he wanted to fulfill what God's will was for his followers and for his son. And today, we have so many that feel like, you know, it's just another thing in the church. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to get my hair wet. Goodness gracious, people might see me with my glasses off and on and on and on. And they're never baptized. But let me tell you something. You go through the Bible. When the Philippian jailer got saved, that night when Paul got out, he went over to his house and the whole family got baptized that night. They didn't wait till Sunday morning. Didn't even wait to come to the cross. You go back and you watch when Philip goes up to the Ethiopian eunuch, remember last week, he tells him about Jesus. He's reading the book of Isaiah. He says, not Philip, he says, now you need to be baptized. I'm going to call you three times. You know, I'm going to schedule. We baptize Sunday morning. Blah, blah, blah. The, the, the guy that got saved said, Philip, whoop, hold this chariot. I've been reading in the book. I'm supposed to be baptized. Here's water. I know we're not back to town. I know that we're going to have services Sunday at church, but here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Start to stop the horses, and he got out, and he got baptized right out in the middle of a stream in the desert. Why? Because he is anxious to do the will of the Father. Let me tell you something. If God ever calls you into the ministry, you're never going to be happy until you get in the ministry, and you'll never be more excited than when you say, yes, Lord. Now, your ministry may not be to preach. It might be to be a school teacher. You might be called to be a doctor, a lawyer, a business person. 
But when you know God's plan for your life, you ought to jump in, up and down because you say there's high risk, you know, in, in opening a business. If it's God's business, there's no risk. Because God takes care of you. But we have lived so long and we look in the scripture and we see how God has said, I'm going to flow myself through you, through the Holy Spirit. And when people see, see you, let others see Jesus in me. Let others see Jesus in you. In Matthew 1, 20, <clears throat> it's one of the most beautiful passages about what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit not only gave us the Bible, the Holy Spirit gave us Jesus. You remember that passage? Matthew 1, 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Fear not to take unto Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. Look, the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit was supposed to do. You know where the ball's been dropped? Us. Us. We have not let our light so shine before men in many cases that they can see and glorify the Father. They're still questioning. If you are, why do you still have your temper? If you are really a child of God, why do you give your resources to the world and not anything to God? If, if you are so much of the Lord, why do you give your children to others to take care of and you don't take care of them yourself? Why is it that churches struggle so hard to find adults to work with teenagers and children when they're the children of most of them Christian parents, quote, unquote. When your child will, will get the, the, the number one thing your child will get in memories in growing up will be the time you spent in leading him or her in the ways of God. The family Bible the church service, Midway, Iwana, Royal Ambassadors, GAs, all those things we've gone through through the years. You look back in your life, if I were to have every one of you stand up because your mom and dad brought you to church, you remember your mom working in vacation, Bible school, and all that kind of stuff, and I'm seeing heads go like this everywhere. I'm telling you, folks, it makes a big, big difference. It makes a big difference when teenagers can see Jesus in their coaches and the people that they look up to, whoever they might be, and whatever vocation they might be into. It makes a huge difference because they see something in them that is genuine. It's not of this world. It is something that is very, very, very special. And the big word that's written all over all of this is the word G-R-A-C-E, grace. Amazing grace is still at the top of the charts that saved a wretch like me. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. G. R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's grace is sufficient. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God did not wait for any of us to get our act together. He waited until we came and brought our sins to the altar and put them at his feet. 
And his blood washed it white as snow. And when you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, without the shedding of blood, there has never been any remission for sin. And as much as the church has become silent on using the word blood, it is not the thing in the contemporary church in many places, not all, thank God, but in many. But moms and dads, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin to anyone, neither child nor teenager or young adult or senior adult. God's son shed his blood that our sins could be washed away by his grace. And he says, just be living proof of a loving God to the world that's around you. Let them see not your better-than-thou attitude, but your genuine concern and your honest testimony that a wonderful change in my life took place when Jesus came into my heart. There are many people here today. I've already met some, and I'll meet some more in a few minutes when I invite all of our guests to come back and get a family Bible. And you know why you're here? Because you've seen a difference in somebody's life that you love a whole lot, and you're still trying to figure out what in the world's going on with them. They don't participate. They don't act. They don't talk. They don't think. They don't do what they used to do. What's the deal? Somebody say they got religion. That'll be temporary. But if they got Jesus, that's eternal. And when Jesus comes into a life, old things pass away and all things become new. And if we don't go back to moderation, we don't cut our profanity to moderation, we do not cut our immorality to moderation, we do not cut any sins to moderation, we try to forsake them as God tells us to and put it under the blood. No one... Paul said to the Romans as they ridiculed him, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith from generation to generation. The thing that is a problem today is we have lived long enough and we have played this game long enough that many, many young people today saw their parents and their grandparents talk the talk and not walk the walk. No compassion for the lost. No concern about serving to the uttermost part of the world. But we are to take the gospel, not only here. We've got several of our young folks that are leaving here in just a few hours to one of the dangerous spots in the world. We just had a group get back from Israel. That happens all the time. You say, well, where do those people come from right where you're sitting right now? And when they go, God always blesses. The Bible is not the way, the truth, and the life. Church is not the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But people need to see Jesus. And the only way by his choice that they can see Jesus is in us. And when they don't see Jesus in us, they have nowhere to turn. And so we're in this period of time since in this 2014. It's been 2,000 years. Jesus 
rose from the grave. Three days he was in the grave. He disappeared out of sight three days, but then he rose and 40 days later he went back to the Father after he had put us to take care of things until he comes back again. And it's right now where we're in that time and I submit to you that we are miserably failing in many, many places in our life and we need to look at it carefully because God's got a better way. God's got a better plan. You don't have to go out and look and look and look and look and look and look for God's will. Just look for God. Just look for God. And he says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. And a lot of people go looking for God's will. All you got to do is find God. We used to sing an old song, take the name of Jesus with you. Remember that one, old folks? Take the name of Jesus with you. His name is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But the point is, we have forgotten who the way, the truth, and the life is. Colossians 1, 27 again, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said to the people in Philippi, for me to live is Christ. First chapter, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Every born-again Christian, not just the preachers, not just the deacons, not just the older Christians, but every Christian are to shun the acceptance of sin in any way because sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. And 1 Thessalonians, as Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, verse 21, prove all things, hold fast which is good, listen, and abstain from all appearance of evil. Where does evil come from? Where does it come from? There's some rank heresy, not heresy, hypocrisy on television today when you get home watching news. One of the major beer distributors has said that they're going to withdraw their sponsor, professional football. Professional football doesn't do something about the kid that got spanked, you know, or whatever. What about the beer? What about the drunk fathers? If that's not the right form of self-righteousness and hypocrisy, I have never for the beer company to get upset the way we're raising our kids. God help us to wake up, but to love our children, care for our children, protect our children, know where they are and all that kind of thing. That's part of this. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the children know nobody loves you more than mom and daddy loves you. We care what you do. We want God's protection over you. We want God's best for you. We don't want anything to be taken away from you, which is good for you, but by the same token, we don't want you to be beat up and battered by Satan and the demons of hell. God hates sin, and he hates my sin, and he hates your sin. Don't ever forget that. Proverbs 6, the wise Solomon said in the 16th verse, these six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, that's pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. <clears throat> Feet that are swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. And he that sows discord among the brethren. God has said to us, would you let me live my life through you? Would you let me show the world the blessings that come from being my child. 
We're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father said, I had a purpose for Jesus. Yes, he was crucified, but yes, he rose. Yes, he sits at the right hand of the Father. Yes, he is for all eternity, but I've got a plan for you. And I just want you to submit to that plan. And the Bible says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth so that when the older days come and the latter days come, if God is gracious and lets you live, that you'll look back and you will never regret, you will never, ever regret the times when somebody saw God in your life. When you loved those at the school that nobody else loved. When you did not condemn them, but you loved them and you cared for them. And you wanted them to know that you wanted to be their friend if nobody else wanted to be their friend. And the same thing is true for a senior adult. Today, it would break the heart of this church if any of you felt unloved or unwanted while you were here today on this campus. Maybe your first time. But I want you to know, God has a plan for your life as much as he does anybody else on this planet. And he said, I know my plans for you, he says, and they're not to do you harm, they're to do you good. But you've got to submit to that. You've got to do it. A coward is a person that knows the right thing to do, but they refuse to do it because of the consequences that may come to be because they walk with God. I might be cut, my friends make, take me off of Facebook, quit calling me. No longer be getting, get to go to the party. You know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. But if they're your real friends, they won't. They won't. Because they should want God's best for you. And when they got, see God take you up and put you on a solid rock and change your life and put a smile on your face, good things happen. Culture may change, but God says my word will stand forever. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I don't change, and my word doesn't change. And all those that choose to follow Jesus will be persecuted in some way or another. And there will be days when you won't be happy, happy, happy. Matter of fact, you won't even be happy, happy. In fact, I'll go so far to say you won't even be happy. How about that? You don't want to trade in three happies for that. But hear me. God loves you, and you can't do anything about it. And the Bible says those the Lord loves, he chastises. And I do know this. If you're God's child, you don't walk in sin until God moves in, and he disciplines those he loves. That's very clearly taught in the Bible. And you can say, well, God, you shouldn't have done that. Well, how can a loving God do this? He said, you don't worry about that. I'm the judge. You just do what I tell you to do. I will handle my kids. You raise your kids the way you want to. God said, I'll raise my kids the way I want to because I am talking about an eternal life. I'm not talking about a temporary life. So when you come to that moment in your life and you say, God, here I am. Use me, use me, use me. David said, many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. Talking to God, 119th Psalm, that big long one. 160th verse, he says, Your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. He had problem with alcohol. He had problem with sex. He was a murderer. He had all of those problems. 
But you'll find in the 51st Psalm, when he confessed it, asked God's forgiveness, he ended up being a man after God's own heart, and God took David. And who wouldn't say that the 23rd Psalm is one of your favorites? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, it's wonderful to know the Lord. It's wonderful to know that he loves you unconditionally. Don't ever let your opinion or my opinion replace God's clear word as to how you are to live. Don't ever let the preacher tell you how to live. Get in the word. And if God says it, that settles it. And when God says it and it's settled, the blessings are coming. And they're not going to be temporal. They're going to be for eternity. I want to close by just reading you one other scripture. In Jude chapter 1. Now Jude is only a few verses. If you want to start off reading the book of the Bible and tell somebody, say, you know, I went to church first time today. I've already read one book. Pick Jude. It's right before Revelation. But look what he said. He said a whole lot in a few words. Here's in the 17th verse of Jude. But beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These are they who separate themselves. Sensual, having not the Spirit of God, but you, beloved, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's the program. Walk with God. Would you bow your head? While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, God's grace is sufficient. God's plan is clear. People will criticize. They will revile. And many will not walk with you any longer. That just goes with it. But those that you lose will be replaced by those that you've never met before. Or maybe some you have met that God is going to send to you in a do in a different way. So today as we close this service... If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, certainly we want you to do that. Do a simple prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me today. But maybe you have prayed a prayer. But you would be honest and say, but Pastor, you know, a couple of weeks later, I just found myself right back in the same thing. No, I wasn't baptized. No, I haven't gotten a Bible study. No, I got the same friends. Yeah, I'm dating the same person. Yeah, I'm living the same way. You know what the Lord would say? Come out. Come walk with me. And maybe today, right where you're sitting, you'd make that covenant with God. God, I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. We're going to close the service, open the doors of what we call the Connection Center. It's back in the back of this auditorium. Go out in the foyer. If you go out the door to my right, look to the left, one step through the door. Look to the left. You'll see the big sign, Connection Lobby, same way over here. There are people there who want to give you some things, pray with you, talk with you. Maybe you want to join the church. Maybe you're interested in being a member. Maybe you want to be baptized tonight at the cross. Yes, there's plenty of time. We'll be ready for you if you want to come. But we'd like to know you're coming so that we do it 
in a way that would be honoring to the Lord and honoring and blessing to you and your family or friends. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing one verse. As we sing the verse, I'm asking nobody to move unless you're going to the Connection Center. Please do not. Please do not distract anyone. There's plenty of room in this building. There's no crowded hallways. We'll have plenty of exit time for you in just a few seconds. Father, I pray, God, that you will just take hold now of every heart. You know the ones that you want to touch today and you are touching and the struggle that's going on. I pray, Lord, some way there'll be a breakthrough and they'll say, yes, Lord, and no, Satan, get behind me. Get out of my life. You're through. You've lied to me for the last time, devil. You've messed up my life and relationships with people for the last time. You've destroyed things that I hold very dear. I'm through. I'm going to Jesus, and I'm going to be saved. Oh, God, please, hear our prayer and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.